Welcome to A Legacy of Preaching with Dr. Bill Burr. For one to have a legacy of faithful preaching, they must love God, love God's truth, and love to preach His truth. Dr. Bill Burr excelled in all of these areas, and he has certainly left us all a legacy of faithful preaching. Now, let's all tune in for this great message from God's Word with Dr. Bill Burr. Turn in your Bibles now to uh, the book of John and chapter number 3. And I need my other Bible. Here, got it right here. I uh, got two of them up here. And uh, I use them from time to time. And my new Bible I'm going to use this morning. Turn with me to John chapter number 3. I saw on the news the other night that uh, President Reagan had gone to one of the ancient cities of uh, China, and I forget the name of the city, but he had gone there, and in this city uh, there was uh, one of the ancient rulers of China that had died, and he had carved, if I remember right, uh, did anybody else see that, those little men that he had carved uh, to watch over him in the afterlife, those uh, clay figures? Anybody else see that on television? Huh? I think it was 90,000 uh, or 9,000, I suppose. Nine, uh, uh, but it was a tremendous amount, soldiers that someone had carved out of uh, or made out of clay, and they'd placed them in the tomb with this man, and they were to protect him in the future life, in the uh, life after this life. He was taking his own army along with him, and they were to fight for him on the other side. Now, I want to tell you this morning that uh, you can take, uh, uh, if it were possible, you can take 90,000 with you, but they're not being able to protect you, my friend, because uh, only hell awaits those that do not have Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And I think the best preparation that you can possibly make for facing the Lord one day is to trust Him as your own personal Savior. Amen. To be born again by the Spirit of God. Now, I, there is no other way, no other means of salvation. Now, President Reagan and uh, Brother uh, what's it, George Schultz, uh, uh, the Secretary of State, uh, they're traveling to China now and trying to establish uh, peaceful relationships with uh, communist China. People travel all around the world trying to make peace. Now, it'd be nice to have peace. One day we will have it when Jesus comes again. But the greatest need in this world today is not necessarily just to have peace, but it's to have uh, men with Jesus in their hearts. Amen? For men to know Jesus Christ in a personal way. Uh, for men to be born again. Now, uh, there are many people who talk about being born again. Well, bless your heart, they weren't born again the way I was born again. They, they weren't born again like Nicodemus was born again. I believe when people get born again, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Literally, a new creation. It says, Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. And I believe people be able to look at you and tell there's something different about your life and the way you live day by day. 
And so I'm talking about being born again this morning into the family of God. President Reagan, he says he's born again, you know. Well, I saw him over there with, uh, uh, what's that fellow's name? Dung. Boy, I'd change my name. I really would. I, I don't believe I'd have a name like Dung. I, you know, Paul talks about Dung in the Bible. You know what that means? It means refuse. And uh, I believe I'd change my life. But I saw him over there with all those Chinese. Listen, those people deny the existence of God. I mean, listen, they, they refuse to, uh, to acknowledge that there is a God in heaven. They have their idols and so forth. And my friend, he was over there, had the, I don't know what was in it, champagne or liquor or some kind of drink they had but he was toasting every time i saw him on television he was toasting bless your hearts one he ain't drunk i mean that i drink and all that but um, he runs around and says i i've been born again jimmy carter went to the white house he said i've been born again his brother billy you know what he said about him he said the only difference in jimmy now and what he was in Georgia some years ago, he said, we used to drink out of a, a Dixie cup. And he said, now he drinks out of fine crystal in the White House. Now, my friend, if that's being born again, then I've been mistaken. Amen. I see people on television. They look like the world, walk like the world, act like the world, talk like the world. I imagine if you got around them, they'd smell like the world. They smoke the same cigarettes, drink the same beer. They go into the same night spots and perform in ungodly places, and yet they're paraded across the TV screen as born-again children of God. Now, my friend, I think that's a shame and a disgrace. And I believe people need to know what it means to be born again. Now I want you to look in chapter number 3 in the book of John. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now I want you to know this. I thank God, and I've said this many times, but I thank God that when Jesus Christ singled out one man in all 66 books as being the prime example of a man needing to be born again, he chose Nicodemus. Boy, I thank God that he didn't choose uh, uh, an old drunk, an old harlot, an old reprobate. Thank God they get saved. But he chose the very best that humanity had to offer. That was a man by the name of Nicodemus. I mean, listen, he read his Bible. He went to the synagogue. We'll find out he sat on the ruling uh, body in the synagogue, the Sanhedrin. He was a tither. My friend, he was, from all human standpoints, Brother Cliff, he was a good man. I mean that. If you, by the judgment and standards of other men, judging by that standard, Nicodemus would be a better man than anyone in this congregation this morning. He, from all outward appearances, was a man that loved God. But you know, Jesus Christ looked at him, Nicodemus, in all of his self-righteousness, and he said, Nicodemus, ye must be born again. Amen. Now let's read the scripture. Go back in verse number two. It says, Nicodemus, the same came to Jesus by night 
And he said unto him, Rabbi, or teacher, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Now look up here just for a moment. There are a lot of men going about today, and uh, we're hearing a lot about miracles. I read an article in a paper that came across uh, uh, in the mail this past week, and uh, it's talking about James Robinson out of Texas. And Freddie Gage had, uh, had said these things, and we're quoting Freddie Gage. Freddie Gage uh, uh, made, got his start as a, uh, an evangelist for young people. And uh, he used to be in the street gangs of Houston, Texas, and understand that he was saved and born again. I've never heard Freddie Gage preach. But I read this article, and Freddie Gage had said that he'd had to break fellowship with James Robinson. They were close friends, very close friends. They went hunting together, fishing together. They visited one another. And Freddie Gage said, I've had to break fellowship with James Robinson. Their pastor, Brother Johnny Draper, is a pastor of a large church, I believe the First Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. And both of these men are members of his church. Boy, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to have that turmoil this morning. But uh, James Robinson, in recent months, has become involved with a man by the name of Green. And Green is a charismatic. And Green has written several uh, articles and, and um, has spoken much about uh, healing and uh, speaking in tongues and so forth. And uh, he's one of the prime men in the charismatic, charismatic movement. And James Robinson has, has yoked up with him and become one of his followers. Now, my friend, there are a lot of people talking about healing today and a lot of people talking about uh, uh, doing all sorts of great things. Well, I've seen people throw away their crutches on television and stand up and walk off. I've seen, uh, I've heard men talk about how the blind could see and so forth. I'm not denying miracles, my friend. I'm not denying that. I've seen some miracles in my day. I've seen miracles of healing. I've seen uh, outstanding miracles. But bless your heart, we don't stand in the pulpit and brag about them. We don't make a big show over them and a big to-do over them. And beloved, we do them in a scriptural way. Amen. Now, there are many men today on television and other places that uh, they say to these folk, if you have the faith to believe, you can be healed. Now, my friend, that's not the way Peter and John did it. I mean, listen, they didn't say it. They didn't talk about the man's faith. Peter simply said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. Now, bless your heart, God was with Peter, and God blessed, and he was, uh, wasn't depending on the man's faith. It depended on Peter's faith in God. He had a particular gift that was given to him, and that was a gift that was manifest in that day. And this is a way that they knew that God was with these men. And this is the way they knew that Jesus, God, was with him was because of the miracles that he performed. It plainly says here that no man can do these miracles 
that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now put yourself in Nicodemus' shoes. Why, here was a man, never heard anything about being born again. He had never uh, heard a sermon on it. He had never read this scripture that you and I are reading this morning. And here was a man that had come on the scene by the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And he was performing great miracles. And uh, Nicodemus came to him and, 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 uh, and, and, and sought advice and help from Jesus. And Jesus told him, you must be born again. So Nicodemus began to reason concerning the physical birth. That's the only kind of birth he knew anything about. He didn't know anything about a spiritual birth. Now, I suppose that every person in this room this morning, if you grew up in West Virginia, you've probably heard on the radio or from the pulpit in your church or on television men talking about a spiritual birth. But that was not the case in Nicodemus' day. He had never heard anything about a spiritual birth, and so all he could think about was just simply a physical birth. And Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Now some of us would snicker at that. And we'd think, Oh, man, Nicodemus is dumb. You know, he doesn't know anything. But listen, he'd never heard about a spiritual verse. And, and he's thinking, he said, Here I am, a grown man. How in the name of heaven? You're asking more than can be done. You're asking me to be born again. And he goes on and he says, uh, Can he enter the second time? into his mother's womb and be born? He said, can I get back inside of my mother in a physical way and be birthed into this uh, world again? And then notice what Jesus said. Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now notice that word water. Jesus did not ignore Nicodemus. Now, there are many men that say that water there refers to the Word of God. And in some instances in the, in the Bible, the water does refer to the Word. But my friend, I don't believe that Jesus ignored the question of Nicodemus. And uh, in this case here, all of you ladies that have had children and all of that we men have read and heard. Now, some men now are going into the, uh, into the delivery room. Brother, I, you're not going to get me. You couldn't hogtie me and get me inside of the delivery room. I mean, listen, um, that was put on the woman and not on the man. Now, you go back and check it out in Genesis. I mean, listen, that wasn't my burden as a man. That's a woman. And uh, somebody said, well, you ought to share it. Oh, it wouldn't do any good for me to go in there. Man, I'd pass out. I mean, listen, I, I'd flake over. I'd, I know I'd pass out. I couldn't stand to be in the delivery room. But, you know, we have learned in, in that uh, from reading, and you women know this to be a fact, that there's a great accompaniment of water in the physical birth. As a matter of fact, that baby is, is surrounded by water, by fluid, and there are nutrients in it. That's how the baby lives inside of the mother's womb. And of course, when this breaks, there's a great outpouring of, of water. 
And water is associated with a physical birth. And Jesus here is simply saying to him, Nicodemus, that's not a dumb question you've asked. He said, you must be born into this world physically and in the same manner, the same principle that you were born physically into this world in water, he said on that same principle, you must have a spiritual birth also. And then he goes on and he says, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. He said it's the same principle, but they're in two entirely different births. And then he said, marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born. He said, don't wonder at that. Don't stand amazed this morning that today that I said unto you, ye must be born again. Now he describes it. He said, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not well tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. He said, Nicodemus, the wind's blowing. He said, look out. You can see the leaves moving. The wind uh, is making those leaves move. He said, you can see the limbs on the trees and on the bushes. They're moving. You can feel the wind blowing against your face. If you wave your hands like this, you can feel the air movement around your face. Now, you may feel the air movement around your face. You may see the limbs on the trees moving. You may see the leaves falling because of the wind that's blowing. But my friend, that's the result of the wind. You can't see the wind. It's impossible for you to see the wind. And it's impossible for you to really understand the spiritual birth. You can see the effects of it. I mean, men clean up their vocabulary. Men quit drinking. Men stop uh, committing adultery. Men stop lying and cheating and, and stealing. And men who once lived in the world and lived to satisfy the sensual desires of the flesh, when they get saved, when they get, get born again spiritually from above, you see the effects of that wind, that birth. But you cannot see the Spirit. You just see the effects of the new birth. And then Nicodemus said, How can these things be? In verse number 9. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou master of Israel? And knowest not, to thee, knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we know, and testify that we have seen, and receive not our witness. If I have told you of earthly things, and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And then he goes on and uses Moses as an illustration. You remember the story of Moses in the Old Testament? And the serpents, you remember how the people murmured against God? And you remember how God sent fiery serpents among the people? And they bit the people and the people died? When Moses and, and the people went to Moses and said, Moses, help us, intervene, go to God. And Moses sought the aid of God. And he said, fashion a serpent and, and put it upon a pole. And place it in the middle of the, 
of, of the camp. And it'll so be that men that look up the serpent. Now the serpent was a serpent of brass. That means that he was under judgment. Sin under judgment. And Jesus Christ said the same way that Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness and the people looked and lived. He said in the same fashion, I must be lifted up. The Son of Man must be lifted up. Bless your heart. When you look to Calvary, you'll get saved. Amen. I like what the A.G. Wall said. Many folk have said life begins at 40. No, life begins at Calvary. Amen. When you come to Calvary, when you come to Golgotha's Hill and you trust Jesus Christ, as your own personal Savior, and you're born again by the Spirit of God, bless your heart, that's when life begins. Now, wasn't that a good, good introduction? Amen. That, that took me, I suppose, 20 uh, minutes or more, 25 minutes to get through the introduction and the reading of my uh, uh, text today for the message. Now, you just settle back, and we'll get into the message. No, uh, this is going to be a brief message. I just want you to know what it means to be born again. I want you to know this. Being born again is, it's biblical. Amen. I mean, listen, it, it's in the Bible. Those are Bible terms. Being born again. Being saved is a Bible term, you see. Being converted, that's, a, that's Bible terminology, you know. Being changed, uh, uh, that's Bible terminology. And so we can see that the new birth is biblical. The new birth is simple. Now men try to uh, make it difficult. Men have tried all manner of things in order to make this thing very difficult. But it is very simple. The Bible simply says, to as many as received him. That is the gift of God. Amen. I mean, Paul said, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Isaiah said one time, Come and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Now Jesus says to you this morning, You're lost. You deserve to go to hell because of your sinful nature and your sinful ways. If you go to hell, you'll get what you deserve. But he says, Come and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And so I'm saying to you, this it's biblical, this thing of the new birth. It, it's simple, this thing of the new birth. You just simply come. And he said to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to those that believe on his name. Now, a lot of time, I believe one day when we stand before God, my friend, at the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll look around and you'll see somebody there and you'll say, man, I didn't think they'd be here. And then you'll look around for somebody and you'll say, wonder where old so-and-so is. Surely, if anybody made it, he did, but he's not there. Now, I'm telling you, it's a simple thing. It's just simply belief and trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
It's biblical. It's simple. It's illustrated in the Word of God. Listen, Nicodemus, the woman at the well, is a good illustration of someone getting saved. She met Jesus Christ. He pointed out the sin in her life. She got so excited, Brother Cliff, she left all of her water pots. She went running back into town. She said, hey, hey, she said, come out here and see a man. That man was able to tell me everything about my life. Messiah, Jesus Christ, come on out and see him. See, there was a change in a life. That blind man in John chapter number 9, you remember him? They came to him and, and they said, is he the son of God? And he said, uh, so I don't know that. He said, I'll tell you one thing I do know. Whereas I was blind, now I see. Amen. I mean, listen, there's been a change in my life. I've been born again. I've been saved by the power of God. Cornelius was saved by the power of God. That old Philippian jailer was saved, born again by the power of God. Now, my friend, there's a lot of people that try to make it hard, but it's simply just an instantaneous act of God. Some folk think it comes in stalls. I mean, you. some people think you get saved and then the next installment is when you walk into the baptistry. And some folk think the next installment is when you begin to live a good life. But you go through certain steps, they say, in order to get to heaven. You ever heard anybody talk about that? Sure you have. You ever heard anybody say, well, he lost his salvation. He, was, he used to have religion, but bless God, he lost. No, if you ever get it, honey, you don't lose it. But now there's a multitude of people. Now listen to me very carefully here. There's a lot of Baptist people around that talk about being backslid that ain't never slid forward. They never been washed in the blood. Listen, when you get saved, that doesn't give you a license to go out and sin. That doesn't give you a license to go out and live in the world and live for the devil and live for the flesh. When you get saved and born again, bless your heart, it'll, it'll give you a new warner. You won't want to do the things you used to do. Paul said, the things I used to hate, he said, I now love. And the things I used to love, I now hate. Why? Because he got saved. He got born again. He got changed. You say, well, it took a long time. No, 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 no. Just instantaneously. <laughs> instantaneously. He got saved on the road to Damascus. Instantaneously. Cornelius got saved. Instantaneous. That Philippian jailer got saved. The woman at the well instantly got saved. Nicodemus instantly got saved. I'm telling you, my friend, it's not in installments. I remember the night that I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I stepped out of the, the pew, walked down the front of that church, got on my knees, and I prayed. Now, I don't remember everything about what happened that night. I really don't. That's 24 years ago. Man, I can hardly tell you what I had for dinner yesterday. Now, I know I had dinner, but I, I must have. I mean, you don't get this big not eating dinner, but I, 
I, I can't tell you what I had. And I couldn't tell you what happened last week. If you, if you wrung my arm off, I couldn't tell you last, what, what a preach don't last. I, 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 I don't remember things. But I'll tell you this, I got saved and I never doubted it. I will, right there in the pew, that moment, if I had died going to the front of that church, if I'd have dropped dead, I was saved. Because it's a spiritual birth. And the very moment that I said, Lord, not thy will, not my will, but thine be done. And I said, Lord, help me. Lord. Well, you don't have to pray a long prayer. You don't have to stand up and say, oh, Lord God, omnipotent God, omniscient God, maker of heaven and earth. Thou that knowest the end from the beginning. You don't have to get up and pray like that. No. When Peter was sinking in the water, bless your heart. Now that, that was just deliverance, not salvation, that instant you understand. But when he was sinking in the water, he didn't get out. He didn't get out there and say, Oh, thou omnipotent God, maker of heaven and earth, thou that knowest the hearts of men. He didn't pray like that. You know what he said? He said, Lord, save me. You see, he was desperate. You know why people don't get saved? They're not desperate, Brother Dennis. They're not desperate. They still think, well, I got a chance in this. I got a chance in that. I can turn over a new leaf. I begin to have prayer in my home. I can do better. I can go to church. I can give to charities. I can quit smoking, drinking, cussing, chewing. I can do all these things. Listen. I'd gotten to the end of the road. I mean, I was desperate. I was going down. I had enough sense to know that no one, no one, absolutely no one could help me. My wife couldn't help me. My mother couldn't help me. My, my father couldn't help me. And I said, Lord God, if you don't do it, I'm going to die and go to hell. Brother, in my mind when I said that to Jesus, I got saved. And it happened instantly. Just like that. Listen, when that baby is born into this world and that physical birth and when it's delivered and, and all of the water there and, and that doctor reaches over and spanks it on its little behind and, or juggles it a little bit and it says, and breathes. Breath. Bless God, it's instantly right then. Instantly birth into this world. Now, my friend, let me give you the message <laughs> very quickly. The new birth is necessary because every soul without Jesus Christ is lost. Amen. Not going to dwell long on these. I'll just give them to you. I wish I had time to just pray. Man, I could preach a two hours. But listen, I'll give it to you very quickly. Every soul without Jesus is lost. Now, make a difference how good they are. Doesn't make any difference how much they go to church. See, Nicodemus was the best man in his community. The very best around. The best that humanity had to offer. I don't care who it is. Old Aunt Sally, Uncle John, whoever it is. Don't care. Listen, they, you may have an aunt that doesn't wear any makeup. Don't wear any jewelry. Doesn't go to movie houses. Wouldn't think of, uh, of cursing. Wouldn't say anything bad about anybody else. Listen, 
I don't care how good they are without Jesus Christ. They're lost. Lost. And on the road to hell, I've found out in my days and years as a preacher of the gospel that sometimes the hardest people to get saved are those that seemingly are doing right. Doesn't take much getting old drunk saved. Doesn't take much getting old harlot, whoremonger saved. I mean, they listen, they know where they're going. I had enough sense to know. I, I didn't know Genesis from Revelation when I got saved, but I had enough sense to know people like me didn't go to heaven. I mean, I knew that they didn't have to come along with a hammer and beat me over the head and tell me that. I had enough sense to know that I wasn't going to heaven. I knew that. And so I'm telling you this morning, it's necessary. This new birth is necessary because every soul without Christ is lost, dead in trespasses and sin. It's necessary because there's no substitute. No substitute. Listen, education won't get it. I mean, some of the most wicked people in the world are educated people. It seems like the more education a man gets and the further he goes in the things of this world and the philosophies of this world and this life, that the deeper he gets into sin. I mean, on some college campuses, they're, they're figuring out new ways to sin. So education won't get it. Morality won't get it. You can be good and clean. Good works won't do it. I mean, listen, you, you can cut your hair right, dress right, walk right, talk right, do right. A lot of people know the terminologies. A lot of people know that. They've been around Baptist people long enough. They know how to talk the talk. Bless your heart. They know all those words about being saved and converted in the new birth. You ask a man if he's saved. I've had them tell me before with liquor on their breath and talk to me about being saved. Oh, I've been saved. I had a man tell me, Patsy and I visited a man one day. He said, said he'd been saved. No, the woman talking about her husband. Said he'd been saved 20 years. But he was a drunk. I said, now, lady, let me tell you something. I said, either your husband or God one is lying. That's right, man. Listen, people don't live 20 years. You say, well, what about David? He said, yeah, David's sin but it was around a year or less. And David was back to God. I mean, people don't go out and drag God's name through the muck and mire of this world for 20 years and get drunk every day of their life and say they're saved. Listen, they've never been born again. I'm telling you, those things won't, religion won't get it. I mean, there's no substitute for the new birth. Listen, the last thing I want to give you it's necessary because it is, and listen to this, it is the dividing line between heaven and hell. Now, you better pay attention to this preacher this morning. You better hear what I've got to say to you. I don't know. I never met anybody that wanted to go to hell. I, had, I met a smart aleck one time. And I'd witnessed to him in a bus station. And I'd heard Dr. Jack Howells do this, and I thought I'd try it. And I, I, I witnessed to him, and, and he laughed at me. And he said, ah, he said, all my friends will be in hell, preacher. He said, I just, I just believe I would like to go to hell because all my friends would be there. 
I grabbed him by the hand, and I said, well, praise God. I said, let's just pray right now and ask God to blast your soul into hell. And I held on to his hand, dropped down on one knee, and I said, oh, God in heaven. And that's as far as I got. He grabbed me by the hand. And he said, oh, preacher, he said, I said, I just joking. I didn't really mean that. Now, you may run into a few smart alecks, but bless God, when it comes time to die, nobody wants to go to hell. And I've found something else, too. When it comes time to die, everybody believes. You let them get in trouble. First person they call on is God. Somewhat like the atheist that stood up one day at an atheist convention. He said, said, I'm an atheist and I thank God for it. They all believe. But if you're going to go to heaven, you're going to go to heaven, listen, where the streets are made of pure gold. The walls are of jasper. Precious stones are there. The gates of pearl. My Savior's there. The river of life is flowing. My friend, if you want to go there, if you want to see that, I wouldn't want to miss that. Amen? I mean, listen. Paul said, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath entered into the hearts of man the things that God's prepared. Listen, my friend. I wouldn't want to miss that. My daddy's over there. Some of you have loved ones. Brother Jimmy, think about your grandpa. I wish I could have known him. I really do. I've heard so many good things about him. But his grandpa's on the other side. Many of you here this morning have loved ones, children, on the other side. I wouldn't want to miss that. Listen, I, I wouldn't want to miss that. Bless God, I, I wouldn't want to miss Dr. Harold Seitler when he steps over there. And Dr. Seitler had a little girl, 11 years old, and a drunken driver one night came around a curve and run head into his wife and their little daughter. And his wife lingered between life and death for several weeks, but his little girl's life was snuffed out. And I heard Dr. Seidler preaching one night on the four hallelujahs. And he said, you may think I'll be dignified. But he said, oh, my soul, when I step out on the shores of glory and I see that a little 11-year-old girl on the other side, he said, I'm going to have me a hallelujah spell. Bless your heart, I wouldn't want to miss that. Huh? I wouldn't want to miss those things like that. I wouldn't want to miss all those reunions on the other side. Think of what it's going to be like, folk, when the rapture takes place. And in the air, when the saints of God that see loved ones that have died trusting in Jesus, and they say, oh, Daddy, it's good to see you again. Think of what it's going to be like to you to lay down prostrate before Jesus Christ and cast your crown 
at his feet and say, Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What's it going to be like to see multitudes without number singing on the other side the songs of glory? Bless your heart. I wouldn't want to miss that. I wouldn't want to miss it. Bless God, I'm not going to miss it. You say, how you know? Because written in this book right here. And I know a lot of people may think that I'm old-fashioned. They may think I'm walking around in a fog somewhere. But I'll tell you what, I believe the book, amen? And I wouldn't miss that for anything in the world. Anything in the world, nothing in this world appeals to me like knowing my Savior in a personal way. Have you been born? That's the only way to heaven. That's the only way. Have you been born again? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? He said you got to come one way, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Pass me not, O gentle Savior, while on others thou art calling. Do not pass me.